Purusha, Purusha, Cosmic Being, Cosmic Being, Yasma, Yasma, from which, from which, Udatista, Udatista, appear, appear, Aso, Aso, that, that, Vira, Vira, celebrated, celebrated, from these seven principles, roused into activity and united by the presence of the sex life. The combination of matter from the parents, which involves emulsification and secretion, creates the situation whereby a soul is received within matter, and the combination of matter gradually develops into a complete body. The same principle exists in the universal creation. The ingredients were present, but only when the Lord entered into the material elements was matter actually agitated. That is the cause of creation. We can see this in our ordinary experience. Although we may have clay, water and fire, the elements take the shape of a brick only when we labor to combine them. Without the living energy, there is no possibility that matter can take shape. Similarly, the living energy, there is, sorry, similarly, this material world does not develop unless agitated by the Supreme Lord as the Virat Purusha, Yasmat, Udaptistat, Asur Virat. By his agitation, space was created, and the universal form of the Lord also <coughs> manifested therein. Om So Srila Prabhupada is, is here pointing out that the material elements, they may collect together in a various arrangements, but without the involvement of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the material elements will not be set into motion. The Supreme Personality of Godhead is referred to as the prime mover. Um, he who original set everything into, into motion. Um, material energy on its own is not moving. In the Chaitanya Charitamrita, we find an introduction. Um, the introduction is based on five lectures that Srila Prabhupada gave in London. And in this introduction, Srila Prabhupada is describing Chaitanya, or coming from Chaitanya. And he said, the living force, 
the living force. The Lord is the living force. And it said, the living force, there Sri Prabhupada also explains, creates movement. He says, a table, although it may have legs, it doesn't move. It doesn't move. But it will move when the living entity moves the table around the room. So in that way, the material energy is described as inert. It is not alive. It is basically described as dead matter. But it is the living entity that moves that living being. And just as the Supreme Personality of Godhead moves into the entire universe, and as it is in that way like the soul of the entire universe, that which causes life, in the same way, the living being enters into the material body and brings life to that material body. And as the living entity leaves, uh, that same body will no longer be alive. In fact, as Sri Prabhupada explained, the body is never alive. It is never alive. It is the soul that is alive. And as long as the soul is within the body, the body is moving and the body is doing so many things. But on its own, it's, it's dead matter. It is just, therefore, dying. There's no such thing as the body dying because it was dead all along. Never alive. It is the soul that is the cause of life. However, when the soul is in a conditioned state, the soul is in a dormant state. Wow. And it is the mind that takes the functions of the soul, which are thinking, feeling, and willing. Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur is explaining, like an ordinary bird steals the feather of a peacock, dresses up, and walks around as if it is a peacock. It is not. The mind, in the same way, is taking the functions of the soul, which are thinking, feeling, and willing. Therefore, in the conditioned state, we are constantly experiencing reality through the mind, which is the repository of the senses. The senses are sending information to the mind, and the mind is preoccupied with sankalpa and vikalpa, or with accepting and rejecting. In this way, we are just... Uh, spending our time in our relationship with the material energy. That relationship with the material energy is not a, a happy relationship because there is a difference in the nature of the living being and material matter. In that one is sat and the other one is asat. In that one is eternal and the other one is temporary. In that one is chit, that one is full of transcendental knowledge, and the other one is covered by ignorance. And in that one is anand, and the other one is niranand, full of sukh and dukkha. Um, therefore, the material world is described in Bhagavad Gita as dukkhalium. As full of misery and full of and then temporary by nature. Mm -hmm. So the soul is described like oil and the material energy like water. The two don't really mix. Therefore, we can never be at home in the material world, no matter how much we try, due to the illusory energy, we are identifying with the material energy and try to make ourselves at home in the material world. But fundamentally, we cannot be at home in the material world. There will always be something lacking, something just not right. Always that feeling that something is not right will be with us, no matter what we do, no matter how much we endeavor, no matter how successful we are, still not right. Something is not right. That is intrinsically so in the material world. Always, something not right will remain, no matter what we do. So in this way, uh, a Vaishnava who understands this principle 
begins to detach from matter, begins to see that what is the point? What is the point in so much hoping that everything is going to work out when it actually doesn't? When it doesn't. When there's always something lacking. That is material existence. And so far, that is our experience. No matter how old we are, young or old, we, that is our experience. Always something lacking. No matter what. It doesn't matter what it is. It's never complete. But it is not possible. Therefore, within material life, there will always be emptiness in the heart. Somehow or other, the heart is described as Ridaya Kandare. Ridaya Kandare means the caves of the heart. Great, great, like great caves. It is difficult to fill these caves. We are trying. We give our heart to so many things, but yet still unfulfilled. Given my heart to this, very nice, but now what? And then, because we are unfulfilled, because the emptiness, we begin to look anywhere and everywhere. And, the, and we cross the boundary, the boundary of sinful life. Then we get entangled. Then so many sinful reactions are there, which fly around in these caves of the heart like bats. And thus, the reactions of our previous sinful activities gradually begin to cover our consciousness. See, the Prabhupada, however, says in devotional service, we drive away uh, these sinful reactions. They just all fly away. So this is the only thing that brings something positive in the heart. In the beginning, it appears to be almost impossible. Almost. The influence of the material energy is so strong. Sila Bhakti Vinod Thakur explains, Maya is not only outside of us, not only in front of us, with so many temptations, with very attractive things. No, if that was all, Maya is also within us. Outside of us, Maya is there with Praksitmika Shakti, the throwing potency, throwing opportunities. Inside of us, Maya is there with the Avranatma Shakti, the covering potency, which covers our consciousness to believe that, yes, I will be happy in the material world. It's just a matter of time. I'm almost there. I almost have that carrot. Almost. But Maya is sitting on our back and holding a stick and the carrot is on the string in front of our nose. The distance will, will never change. Uh, that will never come any closer. So in this way, the illusory energy makes us identify with the material world as the source of our happiness. That's it. Uh, we just think, yes, I will be happy here. I'll surely be happy here. Definitely. And now I've, I'm very smart. Uh, more smart than other people. And therefore, because of my great intelligence, what can I do? Somehow or other, I've been gifted with this great intellect. And because of my great qualification, I will figure it out. I know nobody is successful, but I will be. I will know, and definitely I will be, because I'm smart. What to do? <laughs> Somebody has, has to be smart. It happens to be me. What to do? Uh, in this way, somehow or other, we have a, an inflated concept of the self. The psychologist Carl Jung is calling that a swollen ego. I like that, it sounds really, a swollen ego. Um, Prabhupada said puffed up, um, blown up ego. Same thing, swollen ego. Jung also says, or some people have a shrunken ego. They are afraid of everything. I am just oh, nobody. 
nobody cares for me, nobody loves me, everyone will reject me, I'm not qualified, I have no intelligence, I am just... This is not humility, this is fear, this is fear. Of course, Vaishnavas also will say, I have no intelligence, I have no qualification. But there is a difference between the Vaishnavas and those people who have a shrunken ego. The people with a shrunken ego, they consider themselves not qualified and at the same time they're miserable. I'm not qualified, nobody loves me, Every, everybody, nobody cares about me, and therefore I am depressed. Um, but a Vaishnava can say, I have no intelligence, I have no good qualities at all, I actually am a fallen soul, I am, I am basically, I don't know if I can ever improve, I, it, it, it looks hopeless. It looks hopeless. And yet, a Vaishnava doesn't look for a bridge to jump off. Because uh, a Vaishnava has a deeper understanding. We find this in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, where Krishna Raskaviraj Goswami says, I'm lower than a worm in stool. Anyone who gets my association loses all his pious credits. I mean, give that to a psychologist and they would have a field day on it. Right? They would say, oh, this is a serious case. Our Krishna is But there is a third verse. After these two, I'm lower than a wooden stool, everyone who meets me loses all his pious credits. The third verse is, how amazing is it that one as fallen as I has received the mercy of Lord Nietzsche? And that changes everything. Yes, I have no qualification. I am not intelligent. But I have received the mercy of Lord Nichananda. I have received the mercy of the Lord. Therefore, everything is great. Although I am the most fallen. See, this is how a Vaishnava can see himself as the most fallen and carry on carry on in the process of devotional service, knowing that that mercy of Lord Nichananda can do miracles, and that even one who is falling short uh, can become uplifted and can become transformed, not on our own strength, but on the strength of mercy. And in this way, the only thing we have to do is take shelter of that mercy, the mercy is raining. All we have to do is jump in there and catch it. Um, just like in a desert, when it rains, and everyone is not going inside. Everyone runs outside into the rain. It's raining. It's, people dance in the rain. People catch the rain somehow or other. Um, rain in the desert is bringing life. So it's raining mercy. This is most auspicious. So, all we have to do is be there, ready to catch it, wherever that mercy is, to be alert. That's all. This movement is made of mercy. And in the ninth chapter of Adi Lila, Chaitanya Charitamrita, we get the description of the Bhakti Kalpataru, or the um, wish-fulfilling desire tree of devotional service. And it said, that wish-fulfilling desire tree begins with the Vaishnavas. It begins with the mercy of the pure devotees. So the root of the tree was <coughs> Madhavindapuri, because Madhavindapuri, he was the, the, the original seed of the tree. He actually, uh, from him, that tree sprouted. And then the roots became the sannyasis that were his disciples. Parmananda Puri, the principal one. And then the trunk, uh, Lord Chaitanya, who was the gardener, uh, he also became the trunk. And uh, 
he um, at the top the trunk split in two Advaita Acharya and Lord Nichananda and from them so many branches came in this way the Bhakti Kalpataru is described and it says Lord Chaitanya is Mani Chaitanya he is the gardener Chaitanya so Lord Chaitanya uh, he saw these nectarian fruits this of Krishna Prem, this Premamritirafal, these nectarian fruits of love of God appearing on the tree, and Patrava Patra, he was not considering who was qualified, who was not qualified. And he was not considering who was interested or who was not interested. interested. He gave it to everyone and Nalaya uh, Mula, he did not take any Mula, no Mula, no, no, no Mula at all, uh, no money, no money, he didn't take any money for it, no Mula, just see, this Krishna consciousness is like that, it is this very elevated Krishna consciousness is widely available without Mula, one just has to take it for free, no price to pay, just take it, that's it, um, very easily available. Um, we may think, well, but we are asked to follow four regulative principles, is that not a price to pay? No, that's no price to pay at all, that is just pulling your foot out of the mud. See, our foot was sunk into the mud and it was sinking down, and we're pulling it out of the mud. These are the four regulated principles of freedom. This is not a price to pay. We're just getting out of the soup, out of misery, out of trouble. These things bring us trouble. But what, but what about onions and garlic? What is the problem with that? <laughs> that one sage was performing um, Gavalamba Yagya, or a sacrifice where a cow was sacrificed and by mantra given new life. Not in this Kali Yuga, the previous Yuga. Then what happened was, at the time, the sage, Brahmana, was married and his wife was expecting. So when ladies are expecting, they eat all kinds of things. Right? They need to eat all kinds of things. They have that urge. They get these things that they feel that they have to have something. It says this is, it is very important that this desire is satisfied because according to Vedic tradition it says that if they are not satisfying this they'll have a, a child that will dribble from the mouth. Right? Anyway, believe it or not. Um, so they must satisfy the urge. Now on this occasion, as the, the cow was being sacrificed, it had been killed. The, the flesh was being offered into the, uh, the yagya. It was. Then it was being cooked. Then the lady, she had some desire to eat it and she took one piece. Then, at the end of the yajna, that Brahmana, he was chanting a mantra, and by that mantra revived that cow. And that cow came back in youth and with a full body, but there was one piece missing. The, the lady, she had taken this piece and had walked away with it. And then, suddenly, it came to life in her hands. She threw it on the ground, and it became onion and garlic. So, that's why it has a tamasic origin. No onion and garlic. Now you know the Puranic explanation. Otherwise, we say it grows from a, a tamasic place, huh? and therefore, from fermentation and therefore is not suitable for consumption. So all these restrictions 
are not restrictions. They are liberations from things which pull us down. So it's not that, oh, so difficult now. Such a big price to pay. I mean, it's not humanly possible. Let's be frank. Uh, no illicit sex. I mean, who can do that? You know, I mean, who can follow these principles of Dharma? These principles which are outlined in the Manu Samhita where it is described what authorized sex life is all about. Kamusmi Bharatar Siva. Dharma Virunda Bhutisu Kamusmi Bharatar Whereas sexual activities according to religious principles is defined in the Manu Samhita, in the Dharma Shastra. And it is uh, it's not easy at all. Once a month, within the sixth and the sixteenth day of the female's monthly cycle, and then certain times are forbidden. This is like uh, so complicated. I mean, what about just like you know spontaneous love? You know, what about uh, a summer evening when everything is romantic? Uh, what about that? Sorry, wrong time. Not. Authorized Vedic time. This is impossible. Oh, no. No, it's not impossible. It is only that we have deeply sunk into the mud. Oh, it is not possible to follow such principles. Impossible. And Lord Zetland also, when asked how to, if he to become a Brahmana was told to follow such principles. Impossible that I may as well give up living. This is life, these four principles. I may as well give up living. Uh, what is the point? But by devotional service, it becomes possible. Uh, it becomes possible. Um, I am from the Netherlands and uh, in the Netherlands, there's a lot of water, so uh, all the fields, not only are the fields, uh, uh, well, the groundwater table is very high, and therefore, when it rains, and it rains a lot, so the fields would easily get flooded. So what they do is they put pipes with holes, clay pipes with little holes, under the fields and they absorb the water and then they make little canals around each field the size of a football field which will catch the water. Thus, if you fly into the Netherlands, you will see it looks like the marble floor here, like just little patches with, uh, with canals around it, endless canals. Right? That's what it like. So when we were kids, we would go into the fields go out of the city into the fields and we would jump over the canals. So they're small ones, one and a half meter. So all the boys jump and then you come to a big one and it's like two and a half meters and you're looking at it like, whoa, this is a serious jump. And now, okay, who's going to jump first? Ah, you know, you can do it. Come on. Ah, yeah, you, you, go. It's like, okay. Made it. And then you're on the other side. Um, and you're sort of calculating what well, you know. And you're looking at who else is going to jump. And uh, some other boys jump. But some boys don't jump. They just stand there and everyone laughs at them. Well, this is what boys do. Yes. And then, but then there's a really big one. Three and a half meters. And everyone's going like, too big, Whoa. but you know, there is always one, one, call him a hero, call him a fool, there's always one uh, who has to try, and sometimes it goes wrong also, in the middle of the water, <laughs> and that's of course the fun of the day, right, or at least a foot in the water, uh, yeah. anyway,
So, and you just, each time you stand in front of these canals, you calculate, you know, okay, two meters I can do, but three and a half, I'm not so sure, four, nah, I just can't do it. I know myself. I know myself. I know how far I can jump, and I, I know I can't do four meters. I just can't, you know. I don't have wings, you know. I can't fly. I know my limitations. And this is how we live. Thinking, you know, I'm experienced in life. I've done it many times. Therefore, I know my limitations. I know what I can do and what I cannot do. And therefore, I limit myself because I see myself through my past experiences and through my own limitations. And I say, no, I can't do this. Therefore, I cannot follow these four regulated principles. I know. I know, I know. I know myself. I know, I know. I know what I can do, what I can do. And this illicit sex one, it's just too big. I can't do it. No, no. Too big a jump. Sorry. Okay, no. No onions, no garlic. It's difficult, agitating, but I'll do. But the other one, what can I do? What can I do? I just can't do it. I know. No. We don't know. This is the thing. When we take up the process of Krishna consciousness, we don't know ourselves anymore. Because suddenly, this chanting of Hare Krishna and this devotional service will give us power and strength to act beyond what we thought was possible. As Prabhupada stated, impossible is a word in a fool's dictionary. Nothing, it's not impossible anymore. With Krishna can empower us. And as Krishna is empowering us, we can do things that we never thought we could. And thus, we sit down in an initiation sacrifice and just promise, I will follow four regulated principles for the rest of my life. Are you sure? Are you really, really sure? For the rest, for, the, for your whole life? You're gonna do it for your whole life? How? How? Uh, easy to say, but how are you gonna do it? No, I'm gonna do it because I'm gonna chant Hare Krishna also. Okay, okay, okay. Then there's a chance. And how are you gonna do it? How many? Uh, 16. No, not 16. Sorry. No, not good enough. Not good enough. Minimum 16. No less. Minimum. So, um, no big bag. One big bag was hanging on the doorknob. And Prabhupada said, whose big bag is crying here? <laughs> yes. So, like this, it was the big bag of the GBC. <laughs> At the time. Anyway, I'm not saying that. That is the standard, but that's the truth. So Prabhupada was, in this way, uh, pointing it out. He said, why 16 rounds? Why not 16,000 rounds? Huh? Why not 16,000 rounds? Can you chant 16,000 rounds, please? Uh, uh, but we get the point. Why stop? Why stop? Why put a limit? So I cannot chant more than 16 rounds. That is a lot. Well, that's serious. That's quite a, a serious number. Six. Why? Why? Why limit ourselves? Um, why limit ourselves? We see that Haridas Thakur chanted non-stop, basically. He chanted 300,000 names every day, and if you do that, then by the time you finish your rounds, you can start the ones for the next day. Because it takes the whole 24 hours to finish 300,000 names. Sleeping, yeah, maybe you know, a little, half an hour, close your eyes, in between, or an hour, possibly. You know, but not more than that, so when you immediately, again you have to start. Even with 16, we may feel like that, you know. But I just finished my rounds at 11 o'clock last night, and now I have to start again. Just finished. Uh, never finished. Never finished. Yes, Srila Prabhupada also said like that. What comes from chanting? Uh, why are we chanting? Well, uh, I'm chanting to go back to Godhead. 
I'm chanting so that I will have spiritual strength. That's what I'm chanting. No, no, no. Those are. We're chanting. We're chanting so that we can chant. Because Prabhupada said, from chanting comes more chanting. That's it. That's your reward for the chanting. You chant and chant and chant and chant and chant and chant and chant. And what's the reward? More chanting. Yay. <laughs> so, like this, it is very interesting. It is very interesting. We don't believe. Oh my God. This is discouraging. You know, from chanting comes more chanting. So it's like doing your homework, you know? You do your homework, mathematics. Like, oh God, I've got to do all this, these equations and calculations and like, ah, I don't understand this. How does it work? I mean, somehow or another. Okay, we get some answer, finish my homework. But what comes from doing homework? More homework. Forget it. I quit. Uh, what comes from chanting? More chanting. So the mind will say, I quit. This is it. I mean, enough. You know, I give up this bhakti yoga. It's too much. And there is something else. It's too complicated. No. From chanting comes more chanting. Because from chanting becomes comes a, a great desire to chant. Chanting awakens the desire to chant. And when the desire is there, oh, then we'll want to chant. We'll want it. Uh, we will not stop. Um, yes, we were on a Harinam with about 60 devotees or so in the 70s, and the police came. And they, uh, they, they, uh, they came to arrest us, but they didn't have enough cars to take us, so they locked us in a street, a cop on either side, and they're like, guarding us, ready. So anyway, we just kept on chanting in that street and had a good time. <coughs> Finally, the, the police car, so all fans came, they got packed up with devotees, and in the in the van, the devotees started to chant the Srimad prayers. So the vans were going through the city and had become Sankatan vans. And then we came, sixty of us in a, in not such a big police station, and we were sitting there. And then we all started chanting Japa. Like this, you know? And the walls of the police station started vibrating. <laughs> and after about 20 minutes, the police started sweating. Charlie suddenly reduced to like a wreck. 
you know, who can barely chant his rounds. But even then, at that time, we pray to Krishna, and with Krishna's help, it can be done. Ananyas chintiyam jamam yejanam paryupasate te samhichali yuktanam yogviksena vahamiyam yogviksena vahamiyam We know that story about Arjuna Acharya who was making, uh, translating, who is writing a manuscript of the Gita and writing a commentary to the Gita. And when Arjuna Acharya came to this particular verse, he saw Yogiksema Vahami Aham. And that word Vahami is indicating I will personally come. Krishna says, whatever is lacking, uh, I'll preserve what you have, carry what you lack. I will personally do it. Nah, that must be a mistake. Uh, he's looking at the Sanskrit letters and saying, well, Vahami. Probably, whoever, in those days, the, they were hand copying the, the manuscripts. So probably someone misread it and just wrote the wrong word, Vahami. I think it's Karoni Aham. Um, so he took it out and he changed it. He made it into Karoni Aham, which means I will arrange. I will arrange that everything you lack will be, or will be provided. So I will arrange. And it is said that he was in the marketplace to buy some groceries and that then some boys came to his home and his wife received the boys and the boys were so nice and they were bringing these bags with, with supplies. He said, oh, you're nice boys. Yes, your husband has sent us. So, bringing all this, please you stay for a little while and I will give you something to eat. He said, oh no, no, we have to go. He said, no, please stay, there's, there's some time. He said, no, we cannot stay because your husband will come and beat us. He said, no, my husband is very nice. He doesn't beat boys. It's not like that, he's very friendly. And one of the boys, a bit darker one, uh, complexion, little dark, said, oh yeah, he doesn't, he's very nice, just see, and he showed his back and there was a beating mark on the back. He said, no, did my husband do that? No, I can't believe it. Too much. And she started cooking and she just ate before her husband, which in Vedic times was inconceivable. So when he came home, she had already <laughs> and she was in this mood, you know, like as ladies can be, of not speaking. <laughs> you have already eaten. <laughs> huh? Not speaking, and in this way punishing the husband, who has to, um, who doesn't know why she is not speaking. <laughs> he has no idea, but she's not speaking, and he's trying to figure it out why she is not speaking. Um, so, and so he said, like, but, but why? What's happening? What, what happened? What happened? And after punishing him for a while, she finally said, you know, you know very well. Um, and you should not have. How could you beat these boys? Beat these boys? Which boys? The boys that brought the supplies. Boys brought supplies. Then he went into the room where the manuscript was and he saw that the word karomi had been changed back to vahamiyam. I will personally come and make all the arrangements. And he realized Krishna personally came. He made all the arrangements. And he said to his wife, you are so fortunate. You are so fortunate. You got the direct darshan of Krishna and Balram. Personal darshan of the Lord. Me. Huh? I am fallen. But you are so fortunate. So here we see uh, Krishna will personally arrange. He will arrange. 
The more we try to satisfy Him, the more everything will be arranged. We will find that we have wings after all. We never thought we had, but we will find some. We'll find some. We'll be, it is said that in the sky of realization of, of uh, the past times, the name, fame and glories and past times of the Supreme Lord, in the sky of that realization, different devotees are flying like different birds on different levels. Some are very elevated. Some are only flying on the lower levels. But there are some birds, they don't fly at all. Like chickens. Yeah. Chickens don't fly. But I tell you, we can become flying chickens. Yes. By the mercy of the Lord. By the mercy of the Lord. We can go beyond what is logically possible. And that is what we should keep in mind. It is the Lord who enters. And when he enters, everything changes because he empowers us. And what does empowerment mean? Shila Bhaktivinoda uh, Thakur. In the Chaitanya Charitamrita, we find this chapter about Nakula Brahmachari, who became empowered. He became like an Avesh. He became empowered by the energy of the Lord, and the Lord manifested. Then Srila Bhaktis Vinotaka uh, in the purpose in his Amrita Prabhava Basya begins to explain what empowerment means. And he said, in empowerment, one becomes empowered with the Chit Shakti and the Ananda Shakti, with the knowledge potency and with the happiness potency. And when we are happy, we can do anything. We can do anything. When we are in ecstasy, material things, yes, you know, my leg fell off yesterday, yes, it fell off. <laughs> anyway, I still have one left, <laughs> yes, I can dance on one leg also, yes. see, <laughs> and we continue, continue to dance, whatever we have lost, we don't consider anymore, huh? loss or gain, material loss or gain, we are near a picture, unaffected, we don't care about such. Those things, they come and go, and whatever Krishna sends me now, I will use today. Whatever he says, I will use it in his service. I will give it all away. Again, I have nothing. No problem. Because I have the holy name. What more do I want? I have some prasad. What more do I need? Uh, a place to rest. Bus. That's all. Therefore, life is becoming so simple. When we engage in devotional service, everything becomes simple. Even family life, it becomes simple, more and more simple. And does, and everything becomes very nice. Prabhupada describes, he says that these boys and girls living in these temples, they have everything. He said, one who serves Krishna, he has everything. Krishna lives in a palace. Krishna lives in a palace, so we also live in a palace. Um, those who live with Krishna, they also live in a palace. Krishna eats like a king, and after, but he's so kind. He eats everything, puts it back on the plate, and then after, we also eat like kings and queens. Oh, give me a little bit of another breakfast. Well, in this way. We live like kings. Ah, said, best place to stay, best food, best clothes. I often say these clothes are the best. These clothes are better than those. You know why? No, I'll tell you why. Because they grow with you as you grow. <laughs> so they're always the right size. Your pants may become too tight. Not your dote. <laughs> In this way, 
and everything perfect, perfect clothes, perfect place to stay, everything perfect. He said, you want wife? No problem. You will have best wife, the whole team. In this way, material happiness is rolling at your feet. Um, everything. So don't worry about material happiness. No need to endeavor for it. No need to be in anxiety about it. It's already there automatically in spiritual life. This is your problem. A very positive outlook. We may not always see it like that. Um, but that is because we allow to our vision to become limited by our and to think small, Ksudratma, a small thinker, small timer, thinking small. Think big, broad-minded. Krishna, Krishna is most generous. He'll take care. Krishna will provide. No problem. He takes care of his devotees. We'll be fine. Just chant Hare Krishna and be happy. Thank you very much. Any questions or comments? Robert, just a comment. Very inspiring. Oh. Thank you for coming. <laughs> to get beyond the mind is so difficult, and our, difficult. our world is defined by that. Yes. So you you explain how to go beyond the mind. And only by going beyond the mind can we find reality. Thank you very much. Yeah, summarizing it in your own words, because that gives a another dimension on the same point. So it's a thank you for your contribution. Thank you. Uh, Swami, actually I had a request to make. How you came in contact with the Krishna consciousness? Um, I saw these Hare Krishnas, they were distributing books in the street, they were wearing wigs in those days, false hair. So I could see it, I could, because they used to shave and then they put on false hair and they go on. So I used to see it, it was easy, just like, like, you know, like that one, you know. I mean, come on, that's not real hair. <laughs> you can easily see it, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a wig. So I would see, and I would avoid them. I would go on the other side of the street. So as a result, I never bought the Bhagavad Gita or anything. I managed to avoid the Hare Krishnas. As a result, instead of Krishna, I became involved with a girl. And then she had a dog, and somehow or other the dog's name was Krishna. <laughs> That's how it all started. One may say, but this is not proper. <laughs> Fine, you can say, but this is what happened. <laughs> this is what happened. <laughs> That's how it all began for me. And at night I would be calling the dog, and the dog didn't want to come back. So I would go away. And so then I was forced to call very loud. So I would go around the block calling, Krishna! And in that way, I did Harinam Sankirtan. Talking about four regulative principles. Talking okay, so slowly, slowly. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about four uh, regulative principles. When bringing a child into the um, like married couples, they bring as devotees, they bring child. How are they hundred percent sure that they're gonna deliver the child to Krishna consciousness? Like uh, living in Krishna consciousness, being a married couple and having a child. How are they hundred percent sure? 
that they want to deliver the child in Krishna consciousness. What you didn't say is that there is an injunction on Guru Nasasyat, Jani Nasasyat, Pita Nasasyat. One should not be having children and then you realize, my God, this is not easy. The children, they want to all day play with the iPad and they are uh, more interested in the war dragons than in, uh, in, in Krishna. You try to uh, give them Krishna consciousness as Indian parents, you say Jai Karo. Jai Karo. And you have to do it. And then you put some money in the hand of your kid and say, put in the box. In this way, you're trying hard, but as they grow a little older, they rebel. And at and then you want to also live in Australia. And at home, the kids are very Indian. And at school, they're Aussies. And they have no problem to be both. They're really expert. They can be both Aussies and Indian at the same time. And they know how to do it. In, in school, they're as Aussie as Aussie can be. Right, no worries, you ain't it on you. At home, ha ha ha, it's just, it is. They do everything. They know how to do both. Um, so yeah, how to make your children Krishna consciousness. Sometimes, you'll be desperate. You really don't know anymore what to do. You've tried everything humanly possible and still didn't work. And you stand in front of the deity and you pray. You pray, Krishna, somehow or help us. Let my children be in Krishna consciousness. In that way, by endeavoring very hard, by praying very hard, and ultimately, more important than anything is by love. When that love is there, and then by example, and you give a good example, even if for a while they don't listen, still that bond of love, oh, they'll never forget. And they'll come back to it. Like I, I have one lady who is my disciple from Indian background, and uh, her, uh, when she was a child, her grandfather used to chant Narayan, 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 Narayan. She was walking on the hand of her grandfather. She had no idea what he was doing. Narayan, 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 Narayan. But he was walking with her like this. Later on, being from an Indian family. Her parents, they put her through some serious education and she became a lawyer. And in the course of being a lawyer, uh, well, you know, she made a career and got a government position and so on and uh, she never thought of Narayan, 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 Narayan. Um, her grandfather, at the end of his life, he, he lived in a village. He invited all the villagers, fed them a feast. Then, after completing that, he went to his room, lied down on the bed, and left his body. She told me the story, it's quite a grandfather. So, that powerful grandfather, that did not go in vain. Because many years later, she became attracted by the Sagittarius movement just by hearing the holy name. Because as a child she heard Narayan, 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 and came out. That that attraction reawakened only when she was in her mid fifties. But then and then 
she came to one of the kirtan melas where it's all about chanting, and that chanting, she couldn't stop. She just couldn't stop. Because the sukriti from the pre from hearing the chanting of her grandfather now was bearing fruit. And she became a devotee. But there was a whole big gap in her life. Right? Up to mid-50s, nothing. And then it came out again. So in making your children Krishna conscious, you may see sometimes that for a while they're not Krishna conscious. But there will be no loss in whatever service they have done. And somehow or other, they may interrupt the service, but they will resume it again. Therefore, engage your kids in devotional service. Then everything chalega. Thank you very much, yes. Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai!